Previously on Cyril Reed's Ninja Gaiden, we were introduced to Ryu Hayabusa, the hero of our story, who only recently upgraded to the highest ninja rank possible. While happy for her son, Ryu's mother spoke of a sad story regarding his father and a secret letter that has remained sealed for more than a dozen years. What could it possibly say? And what did Ryu's reaction be? Find out now when we continue our exciting adventure in Ninja Gaiden. Chapter 3 Thirteen years earlier, the world had been different. Some say it was a kinder and slower place. Others say it was harsh and cruel, but to Dr. Ken Hayabusa, an American-born Japanese archaeologist, it was simply the most exciting time to be alive. His wife had recently given birth to a handsome, healthy son, and he had finally begun the expedition of his career one thing that was sure to win him worldwide recognition in his field. He was beyond happy. He woke each day practically exploding with joy. Although he knew his trek might be dangerous, he had taken all the necessary precautions. How could he have known that all of his precautions were in vain? How could he have possibly known the bizarre fate that awaited him? Randolph, you wimp! Kenron Hayabusa bounded through the dense brush of the Amazon jungle. Overhead, the noon sun was a fireball that seemed to lick the skin with its flames. The humidity clung to him. Tropical insects hovered in thick swarms around his face, and low-hanging branches whipped him at every turn. But he barely noticed any of it. They were almost there. He paused for a moment. He adjusted his backpack and sword belt. He remembered how his colleagues had laughed at him when he insisted on taking the sword. No matter. Not even the most up-to-date ammunition made him feel as safe as a sword did. It was an old and trusted friend, and, and in times of need, friends never let you down. Randolph, he called out again. Have I lost you, old fellow? Several yards behind him, an overweight, bearded man stumbled through a greenish-yellow thicket. He crashed to the ground, sending the contents of his backpack sprawling. I don't know why I ever agreed to go along with this crack brain scheme, he mumbled. Dr. Hayabusa sprinted over to him. He wanted to help him up. For the pursuit of knowledge, my friend, he said with a laugh. Surely this can't be the Dr. Randolph Wimple, shining star of the University of Peru Archaeology Department. You spare me the guilt trip, Ken, Dr. Wimple replied. Can we just can we just sit down for a minute? You might be some black belt ninja, my friend, but I'm an ordinary human being. And the ruins, they've been there for hundreds of years. They'll be exactly the same, whether we get there now or in five hours from now. Yes. But my son is changing by the minute, Dr. Hayabusa said, pacing anxiously. I can't, I can't wait to return to my family and with the news of, of the great success, Randolph. Dr. Wimple sighed. Just my luck of getting stuck with a romantic sap. All right. If we must hurry, so be it. Just be careful. You know the dangers. Of course he did. 
Every archaeologist knew them. Of the 29 explorers who had tried to reach the ruins, none of them had returned. No bodies had ever been found. No one knew what was inside the ruins. There were rumors of dragons and monsters, but those were never taken seriously. One thing was clear, though. Whatever it was, there must be some great historic importance. And awesome power. Demons, eh, Randolph? Dr. Hayabusa chuckled. You're not afraid of some drooling, fire-breathing monster is going to gobble you down, is that it? Well, no. I was just saying that, don't forget, Randall, this is the late 20th century. He remembered his pacing. None of the other explorers had the sophisticated tracking devices we have, and the weaponry, oh, and the communications set up. Yes, and space-age technology like your sword, Dr. Wimple said dryly. A cheap shot, Randolph. You know that. Before he could say another word, Dr. Hayabusa disappeared into the ground. Dr. Wimple exclaimed. He rushed to the hole where his colleague had been stranded. Randolph! Came a muffled voice within the hole. What do you suppose a bear trap would be doing in the middle of a tropical jungle? Dr. Wimple put his hand to his mouth. Oh, dear. He reached down and pulled out his colleague. Were you caught in it? Dr. Hayabusa said, dusting himself off. No, I was saved by several decades of rust. The trap couldn't close. Well, I suppose we must be getting near our site, Dr. Wimple said. Someone is trying to protect it was trying to protect it, Randolph, Dr. Hayabusa corrected. Judging from that trap, it looks like it may have given up years ago. Lucky for us, I suppose. You see, Dr. Hayabusa said, heading into the woods, we have nothing to fear. (laughs) Dr. Hayabusa swallowed his last word. There was a lizard in his path. This was not a cute, little, slithery pest. It was a six feet long and angry, and its enormous teeth glittered in the sun as they lunged at Hayabusa's face. Chapter 4 Dr. Hayabusa leapt out of the monster's path. He fell to the ground. Scrambling to his feet, he unsheathed his sword. The beast stared at him. Its eyes rolled about on either side of its face. Its short, stocky legs stuck out of the side of its scaly body and curved down like a person at the top of a push-up. Slowly it approached, letting out a fearsome hiss. Spirit, Ken! Dr. Wimple cried out. Dr. Hayabusa walked backwards. He held his sword steady. Come this way, Randolph. Walk slowly. It won't harm us. It needs to conserve its energy. Dr. Wimple obeyed. How can you possibly know that? The creature is a Komodo dragon, Randolph. Until now, it's only been found in the Indonesian island of Komodo, having somehow survived extinction. As a cold-blooded reptile, it often sleeps in the sunlight, replenishing its energy. You can see that this one is a bit sluggish. 
At night, it will undoubtedly be quick and ferocious. Thank, thank you, Dr. Wimple said, trembling. I shall, shall make sure not to be around after dark. But what a zoological find. The first of its kind discovery in the West. Dr. Wimple nodded. Fine. Well, we'll write a report. Now let's get out of here before, before we become lunch. They took off, scampering deeper into the jungle. The trees grew closer together, the brush thicker and thornier. Dr. Hayabusa used his sword to cut the path. They bushwhacked for hours. Under the afternoon sun, the jungle festered. The humidity practically suffocated them, and they had to stop every few feet to catch their breaths. Even Dr. Hayabusa was running out of steam. When they reached a clearing, Dr. Wimple flopped to the ground. Siesta time, he said. I don't care what you say. Dr. Hayabusa took a map out of his pocket. He studied it carefully. If I'm not mistaken, Randolph... We're already at the... Ken, look! Dr. Wimple shouted. Suddenly, his fatigue disappeared. He ran across the clearing to a strange, rounded stone that stuck out of the ground. Pulling a spade out of his backpack, Dr. Wimple furiously dug around the stone. It was a large, flat tablet covered with intricate etchings. Dr. Hayabusa joined his colleague, and together they pulled out the tablet. They set it down, and Dr. Hayabusa began to translate. All praise the great hero Shinobi, who on this day in Anno Domini 1290 confronted the powerful demon of the Temple of Darkness. Shinobi? Dr. Wimple interrupted. That's impossible. How could a Japanese be in the Amazon 200 years before Columbus? His eyes aglow, Dr. Hayabusa read on. Having sailed across the eternal sea to find the land of forbidden mystery, Shinobi returned to the native land, guarding the secret of his discovery. Eureka! Dr. Wimple shouted. Do you realize what kind of find we've made? My associates can carbon date this and and make sure it's not a fake and... The great shinobi cannot bear to reveal the one shame in his life, Dr. Hayabusa continued reading. His only failure as a warrior, when the demon's body lay bloodless on the ground, slain by shinobi's sword... Its power lived on. It continued the fight, unleashing the force of nature. Though Shinobi could not beat this invisible enemy, he fought bravely and divided the demon's energy into two, the forces of light and the forces of dark. Thus disabling the demon, he imprisoned the forces into two statues buried hereunder. Without saying another word, the two scientists dropped to their knees and began digging. It took over an hour, but when the shovels hit two solid objects, they were delirious with excitement. Dr. Hayabusa pulled out the white marble figurine, about a foot tall and shaped in a horrible hutch dragon. 
Dr. Wimple's statue was exactly the same, except it was made of black onyx. Remarkable, Dr. Wimple said in an odd whisper. Does the tablet explain what happened to their power? Dr. Hayabusa picked up the tablet and read more. The demon will begin to wake at the time of the dark moon, approximately every 700 years. If the statue are at the same temple of the demon, they will join forces and inhabit the demon's body, releasing unimaginable power. The world will not survive, however. If the statues are not inside the temple, the demon will remain harmless. Dr. Hayabusa paused. His face was sullen. Is that it? Dr. Wimple asked. Yes. Dr. Hayabusa looked at his friend in the eye. The question is, where is the temple? Dr. Wimple threw back his head in laughter. Surely you don't take this all seriously. What do you mean? We did find the statues. Yes, and they're fine examples of pre-Columbian South American art. But it's obvious that nothing's here. Clearly, Shinobi's demon was a Komodo dragon, ancestor of the one we found. The rest, the pagan mumbo-jumbo, well, we, we should leave all the folklore experts. Dr. Wimple took off his pack and stuffed the statues in. Then he walked into the surrounding jungle, snooping around. But Dr. Hayabusa wasn't convinced. He paced the edge of the clearing, trying to piece it all together. His toe stubbed against the edge of another stone. Gritting his teeth, he looked down at it. It was gold, and it looked like the edge of something bigger. He knelt down and yanked the underbrush off its surface. When he was done, a small, perfectly square stone stared up at him. On it were gold inlays, depicting some kind of message. Amazing, he called out. I found an ancient grave marker, Randolph. No answer. Dr. Hayabusa turned around. Randolph. He walked around the clearing, looking around. Randolph, where'd you go? He stopped. That wasn't a jungle sound. Randolph Wimple must have found something else in the woods. But where? In in the thick air, it was hard to tell where the noise was coming from. Freak! He felt the blood freeze. The sound was in the clearing behind him. He whipped around. Everything looked exactly the same. Or did it? Freak! It was the grave marker. His trained eyes detected the slight movement. An inner voice told him, begged him to run away. But Dr. Hayabusa walked closer. Screech! The marker slid aside, revealing a deep hole and two arms. A sudden blinding light bolt ripped through the jungle air. It flashed in the front of Dr. Hayabusa and sliced a nearby tree in half. Dr. Hayabusa flung himself to the ground. Where he turned around, his jaw dropped open. Standing in front of him was a creature. It was human, but only barely. 
Each foot had three enormous claws. Its bare chest rippled with muscles, and it looked like cast iron. Deadly sharp ram horns jutted out of the steel mask that covered its face. In its right hand, it held a sword, and in its left, a shield emblazoned with the letter J. And when it spoke, the ground shook. Give me the statues, it demanded. Not on your life, sheep face, Dr. Hayabusa said. The warrior thrust the sword. Its mighty stroke caused the tree to rustle. With a perfect ninja front roll, Dr. Hayabusa escaped the sword. He sprang to his feet. In one swift motion, he pulled his own sword and lunged. Clang! It hit against the enemy's shield. Dr. Hayabusa stepped back, waiting for the next move. The warrior dropped its sword. With a casual but powerful gesture, it reached upward. Dr. Hayabusa watched with eagle eyes. Crack! Another bolt of lightning sliced the sky. This was connected to the warrior's outstretched hand. Dr. Hayabusa stared in disbelief. How could this thing have survived that hit? It brought its arm forward. It pointed it. Yarg! Dr. Hayabusa took the full force of the electrical current. He crumbled to the ground. A freak storm came a voice from behind him. Well, maybe there'll be a break in the humidity. Out of the corner of his eyes, Dr. Hayabusa saw Randolph Wimple emerge from the surrounding brush. He propped himself on weakened elbows. Run! He croaked, his voice raw. Dr. Wimple froze in his tracks. He looked from Dr. Hayabusa to the warrior. Ken! Who? What? Run for your life, Dr. Hayabusa croaked, and follow every step of of the emergency plan F. Do you understand? But, but, I I can't just leave you. Dr. Wimple was cut off by another electric jolt. It drilled a clean hole through the tree next to him. Dr. Wimple was off in a flash. He had never run so fast in his life. Good riddance, the warrior snarled. Now give me the statues. Never, Dr. Hayabusa said, stalling. By now, Dr. Wimple would be 50 yards away with both statues. Another bolt made Dr. Hayabusa arch in pain. All right, he said. At least leave me with enough strength to open my pack. The warrior waited. With agonized slowness, Dr. Hayabusa removed his backpack. The longer he took, the farther Dr. Wimple would travel. He set the pack down. He fumbled through the lace. He removed the canteen from the top. He dumped the contents on the ground. Trail mix, three maps, a wallet, a camera, two lenses, a mess kit, and a compass. Nothing more. The warrior seemed to swell with rage, veins strained at his chest muscles. With fist clenched, it raised up to the sky. A deafening boom shook the entire jungle. The lightning that struck the warrior's head 
bathed the area in the white light. When the flash was over, the warrior glowed. No one plays games with me, foolish insect, he bellowed. Prepare to meet a fate more unimaginably terrible than death. To be continued. Game Hint To beat Kelberos, get under the left podium and hit him with your windmill star when he's coming from the right. Then, staying under the podium, hit the other Kelberos with your sword or your star. And now, an open letter to A.L. Singer, the author of Ninja Gaiden. Dear A.L. Singer, Frankly, I suspect that there are a lot of people that are going to be pretty sore with you because you decided not to answer any of the questions you posed last week. We didn't learn what was in that letter, or why Ryu is only 13, or what the deal was with that mother-son sexual tension stuff. Instead, we were swept back in time to fill in some of the gaps involving the missing father and, of course, Dr. Wimple. I say, let those people complain, because as far as I'm concerned, these two chapters were a welcome change of pace. Unfortunately, I say this because after the first two chapters, I've learned to really hate the Ryu character you came up with. As far as I'm concerned, I would rather have a realistic account of the conversation that Dr. Hayabusa and Wimple had while flying across the world. I would rather have seven chapters devoted entirely to the airplane food and the little tear in the stewardess's dress. I would rather read about the guy our ninja hero beat up in the first two chapters. I mean, what were their stories anyway? I'd rather do any of this than go back to reading about Ryu and the crush he had on his mother. But I have a hunch we're not going to stay in the flashback for very long. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if the next time that I write you a letter, I'm back to bitching about boy wonder and the fact that nobody seems to care that a 13-year-old is traveling across the world trying to avenge his father. Wait, now that I mention that, isn't that the plot from Batman? Hmm, except that, that Ryu doesn't have any interesting toys. You know, I'm telling you, this book would be ten times cooler if Ryu had some interesting toys. But I digress. So this episode reintroduces us to the mysterious warrior demon thing with the big shield. And what is it they keep stressing about that shield? Oh yeah, that's right. They keep reminding us that uh, it has a big letter J on it. J, huh? Hmm. Maybe this is the plot of Batman and we're slowly being introduced to a 15th century Joker. Oh, oh, oh wait, I know. This guy is a huge fan of Jeopardy and he's pissed off that we keep interrupting him right before Double Jeopardy. Damn you, people! Alex, I'll take terrible characters in a disastrous video game book for a thousand. While all this probably sounds negative, I will admit that I had a lot of fun reading these two chapters. I love the Docker Wimple character. I, I especially was impressed with how you managed to convey his very nature by simply calling him Wimple. We knew that from the get-go that this wasn't going to be our guy to, to fight till the bitter end. He's more of the running away kind of guy. He is, as his name insists, a wimp. I can only hope that this naming thing will continue throughout the book. Like, like maybe Ryu will have to fight some big muscle man named Rock McTuffy Pants. Or he'll, he'll fall in love with Miss Lolita Chesty. Oh, the possibilities are endless. Anyway, I think I've taken up a little bit too much of your time, and uh, as it is, so 
Uh, I look forward to finding out what happens to Dr. Wimple and uh, see who this mystery man is. I don't really care about finding out more about Ryu at this point, but hey, you know, I'd like to know more about Wimple. I'm just a big Wimple fan. But alas, I won't find out until next Wednesday what happens. How disappointing is that? Well, anyway, thanks for taking my letter. Yours truly, Cyril Lachelle. Yes, I'm pretty sure that Rock McTuffy Pants is going to be my porn name.